0: Listening to the Jets Nation podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller. On today's show, we're going to take a look at the last couple of games for the Jets. What's been working? What hasn't? We're going to talk about the departure of Dano and how the Winnipeg Jets should optimize their lines. So, for segment number one today, we want to take a look at the last couple of games for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, since our last podcast, the Jets fell to the Nashville Predators last Thursday, three 0 They beat the Hurricanes, three one. And then they fell to the Oilers 5-4 in overtime yesterday. So, Kyle, uh, you had a chance to see all of these games. I watched a part of the game on Thursday, but I had a couple of late nights. So I wasn't able to stay up for all the game against the Preds. I uh, had something up on Sunday. wasn't able to see the game. Uh, I was actually working both games, uh, Hurricanes and Oilers. So I've only been able to see recaps, only just be able to hear what everybody else is talking about. it. But you got to see it with your own eyes your thoughts on the last three.
1: So the record is 1-1-1, which isn't too bad. Um, It's okay, and that's half-decent. For the Jets, they obviously want to be better than that, but that's an okay record. But when you look at their actual games and how they're playing, it has not been good. Uh, So going back to that Nashville game, losing 3-0, they... What do you say other than they kind of blew themselves up in the second period with all those penalties uh, and almost unprecedented nine penalties in a row. Um, Just an unreal amount of penalties taken against Nashville kind of came unglued. It was one thing after another. uh, And and then frustration boiling over into Myers getting a misconduct for mocking the refs, uh, Bufflin taking penalties um, that he doesn't need to take while already shorthanded. Just it was so many compounding factors, yet they escaped only being down one nothing after the second period, uh, get scored on a couple goals in the third to lose the game. But it was not a very inspiring performance, maybe other than the penalty kill, um, being able to kill off all those man advantages.
0: Yeah, so that was kind of the game story against the Predators. Uh, hurricanes, the Jets winning that one at 3-1. to one. Hurricanes have surprised a few teams this year, but not the Jets.
1: Well, no, they're a very fast team, and that's what everybody was talking about coming in. They're they're hard on the forecheck. They get a lot of guys up in on the play. Watching that game, uh, the Jets got hemmed in a lot of times in their own end. One of the reasons for that was no Dustin Bufflin. That was the first game he's been out, uh, now missed two games uh, with an upper body injury. Um, but they really struggled getting out of their own end. Myers and Morrow uh, were uh, terrible getting out of their own end. Uh, Kulikov and Sherrod had... Tons of trouble um, behind their own net. Lots of turnovers. Uh, Laurent Brossois stole the show 100%. Had 42 saves on 43 shots. Uh, an unreal save percentage there. Um, just an unreal performance by him. He was the only reason why the game was close. Uh, because the Jets got severely outshot. They just weren't skating as well. Carolina looked fast. They were hard in the puck. Uh, lots of pressure up. Um, if you got past that first wave uh, of that pressure, the Jets actually had some chances. Um, Ehlers and Line a actually coming in on a 2-on-0 breakaway, uh, unable to find the back of the net on a 2-on-0, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, but that's kind of how the season's gone for Ehlers, uh so far. Just can't buy a goal no matter what happens.
0: Which really sucks, because I have him on fan- my fantasy hockey team, and my fantasy hockey team already struggles as is. Taylor Hall's kind of struggled at the gate. Ehlers, but again, that's getting off of topic. Uh, but for the Winnipeg Gents, most of these games this year, They haven't been very high scoring, at least in favor of the Winnipeg Jets. Things started to get going a little bit better in the last game against the Oilers, getting up 4-1 fairly early on, but the Jets just couldn't close that game out.
1: Well, no, it's an exactly ideal start, what you want. You're at home, you're playing against a, a team that should be good, that really is desperate for a win. The Edmonton Oilers have only played, had only played three games up until that point.
0: Because of the whole start in Europe and because
1: everything. Because of starting in Europe, they, they had played the least amount of games in the NHL. They were near the bottom, I think second last in the league in points. They
0: really wanted to... They had no balance attack. Connor McDavid had contributed for every single... Edmonton goal so far
1: yeah exactly so they were really looking to to get off to a good start against Winnipeg and, and Winnipeg shut them down in the first period uh Adam Lowry scoring back-to-back goals within two minutes great start for Winnipeg even through the first two periods they're up 4-1
0: going into the third you can't really ask for much more than that
1: no they had given up one goal to Connor McDavid on the power play where he kind Which, of blew by Truba, and I mean that, that's going to happen
0: yeah like there's, he's the best player in the NHL. Even if you put the best defensive man on him, he is still going to get his goals. He's still going to score. He's still going to find the back of the net.
1: Yeah, exactly. So then that leads to kind of the third period, and the absolute worst case scenario happens is you get scored on in the first ten seconds of the third period. So you're up four one. End
0: of a period's kind of in the same category.
1: End of the period's kind of the same, but but the only thing the Winnipeg Jets didn't want was a goal in the first minute.
0: Give them some life and hope.
1: And that's exactly what they did and from there Connor McDavid took over had three straight points in the third period to lead Edmonton back to the tie game. So just like that, the Jets are on their heels. They're not skating well. Uh, All the post-game comments, Maurice just talked about how how we weren't weren't skating in the third period, how the Jets just stopped their game. They were playing kind of in a defensive shell, and we see that all the time. Teams that get up into a lead, they just kind of go into a
0: shell and just let teams take shot after shot, and it hurt the Jets against the Oilers. Basically, worst-case scenario. And I've heard people talking about uh, where these shots are coming from. Just your opinion on that?
1: Well, it depends which game you look at. um, Because when you play a team like the National Predators, they take a lot of shots from the point. Uh, Last year, uh, I I believe they led the team or led the league in goals by defenseman or points by defenseman, anyways. They get their D involved. They take a lot of shots from there. Plus, they have great D. Exactly. But the Carolina Hurricanes, if you looked at those heat maps, it was exactly in front of Brassois. It, It was a giant circle from the most prime scoring chance you can get is where Carolina was getting their shots from. Edmonton was a little bit uh, more to the sides of the net. Connor McDavid scoring on the power play from kind of beside. But it's just far too many shots in general given up by it the goes, Jets.
0: And so I don't really think this is a problem with Hellebuck really right now. I think it's a good thing that Broussois had a good game. Uh, give some fans some confidence. Give him some confidence. And I think it's it goes to show that any player can have a hot night in net. Even whether you're the second or third string goalie, you can still have a hot night in the NHL and play well. There's a lot of AHL goalies right now that can come in and have a great start. They absolutely can. And you're going to see that even where they get pockets of playing really well. And I'm not trying to say that Bro is a terrible goalie. I'm hoping that he can keep playing like this. But obviously, as uh, signs point to over his longevity of his career that he's had so far. He's not an elite goaltender. We're not going to expect over 40 plus saves from him every time he goes out. But I think it's still encouraging to see.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think if anything, it gives... Uh, maybe the Jets a little bit more confidence to play Brassois, and I think that's a good thing going forward because Connor Hellebach, I believe he led the entire league in, in minutes played last year. Uh, you don't want to be having that every single season. It can be draining on a goalie, especially if you're making long playoff runs as well. Uh, just think about how burnt out the Blackhawks were after so many long cup runs in a row, you don't get as much time off in the summer. Uh, there's less time to recuperate and, and that sort of thing, so you want to keep Hellebuck's workload not quite at the super high end if you want to have him as at his absolute best in the playoffs
0: right and so my point was just that yes any goalie can have a good night but it's good to see that brossois did have one and just get a little bit of confidence boost and so uh, that kind of takes us through the last three games and now getting into the next couple of segments we'll kind of take a look at tweaks and what the winnipeg jets should be doing or have been doing to get better All right, so next up, we want to take a look at Marco Dano. Uh, This is a player that has been fairly polarizing since his time started uh, in Winnipeg. I remember when he was traded a couple of seasons ago. uh, He was acquired from Chicago. Uh, Andrew Ladd going to the Blackhawks, coming back to the Jets. uh, Marco Dano and a first round pick. Now, what did that first round pick turn into? Eventually, that was traded. Jets moved up. Took Logan Stanley. We were all kind of upset that they took Logan Stanley. Again, the jury's still out, playing for the Manitoba Moose this year. And then Marco Dano was the other piece. And here we thought, here's a young guy who's kind of been a fringe NHLer. Maybe he'll make the club, make an impact kind of as a bottom six guy. Never really quite made it in Winnipeg.
1: No. And the interesting thing is as the years go along, evaluating these trades, and we've discussed this at at length in different podcasts, how do you evaluate a trade? And, And now we can kind of look back now that Dano's time has passed with the Jets. So you essentially trade Andrew Ladd for Dano being lost for nothing and Logan Stanley, who is still multiple years away. So in the short term, The Jets obviously lost the deal, trading away Andrew Ladd, who at the time was a valuable piece. Uh, In the long term, it's looking like even a washed-up Andrew Ladd is better than what the Jets have now, because the Jets have nothing.
0: Well, other than the contract that Andrew Ladd would have commanded, and I don't think I want the, I do not want Andrew's Andrew Ladd's contract on the Winnipeg Jets. At all. No, and he would have been a free agent after that season, so we wouldn't have had to re-sign him anyways. No,
1: exactly. I think it would have been a different contract than maybe what he had signed. I think his career maybe would have been different had he still been playing with Winnipeg, specifically with a guy like Blake Wheeler. Potentially. Uh, but that being said... The Jets have virtually nothing to show for this trade right now. With Stanley in the AHL, Dano now gone, there's nothing to show for it.
0: Nothing in the lineup, no, absolutely. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what Logan Stanley turns into uh, with some right now some glaring holes on the blue line for the Jets. Maybe, who knows, in a few years we will see Logan Stanley. Still lots of guys ahead of him on the depth chart. But for Dano, was this mismanagement? Was it the Jets not playing this right, maybe underestimating what other teams felt of Dano, your thoughts?
1: Well, it's tough and you got to think the Jets want him to have a career and it's almost just more of a, we don't see your career with us and we want you to play But I think there are many teams that are not as good as the Jets that don't have the depth that the Jets have that he can find a spot on a roster rather than just sitting in a press box. He he essentially was doing no good just sitting in a press box playing 10 games a year. There was no point to keeping him,
0: really. This happens in other leagues too. Like I see in football, like you just release a guy and then he gets picked up by another team. And like it happens in other sports. You just don't see it quite that much in hockey. Just the way that you can pool assets and the way you can move them down and call them up. It's not quite the same in football or in another sport. Uh but so for the Winnipeg Jets, uh waving Dano, they could have sent down Lemieux. They could have sent down somebody else and had Dano as that perpetual uh, press box guy. But I think, yeah, you're right. You want to set him free in a sense. You want him to play in the NHL somewhere. And I would imagine that when they tried to make a trade with another team, most teams would probably say, nah, not going to give you anything for him and just wait to see if the Jets wave them.
1: Yeah, exactly. So obviously from a Winnipeg Jets standpoint, uh, they view both Nick Patan, uh, Brendan Lemieux, and also Christian Veselinan ahead of Dano. Uh, so because Veselinan and Lemieux are generally seen as more of a prospect type players, obviously Veselinan only being a second year, Lemieux a little bit more of a longer term prospect in that regard. Uh, they also see Nick Patan as better than Marco Dano Obviously, or else they would have sent Patan down. So it's interesting to see from an organizational standpoint who they're kind of valuing and the fact that Lemieux and Veselainen are still with the club. That's a bit of a surprise to me, but the Jets obviously believe that they had a better shot at making the roster and playing than Marco Dano had.
0: And Murat, uh, or somebody posted up a tweet just talking about the Winnipeg Jets' forward depth. And again, now they lose another piece, but you lose Matthias and Hendricks and Dano, and now all these pieces disappearing, so there's less and less depth up front. But really, when you look at who's in the lineup and how few spots there still are, there are still plenty of options. If there are three injuries up front for the Winnipeg Jets, all is not lost. There is enough guys to come into the lineup and play on a regular basis, but they still need better performances out of their top guys. They still need better performances from Ehlers, and there's a lot of lines that still have more to contribute yet this season. Anything else you wanted to add on Marco Dano at all or anything kind of this? I think it's it's one of those cases where you just want a, a player, you're okay if he just leaves the organization because you don't have room for him on your depth chart. And nobody else is willing to take him in a trade. And so, good for him. Good luck. We've seen this kind of with a few other players. We have The Jets haven't had a lot of players claimed off of waivers. I'm kind of reminded of uh, Alexander Bromistrov... Uh, He was kind of in that same boat where the Jets just didn't really need him in the lineup anymore.
1: I mean, sometimes it's just time to move on. If you don't see a guy with your organization, be it his personality, his playing style, whatever the reason is, he's just not fitting in. And uh, we've seen this a few other times so far in the league. Whenever you see a guy going on waivers, you never really think anything of it, especially when a guy gets claimed. Oh, well, no big deal. guy got claimed. Uh, But when it comes to your own team, you make such a big deal of it. Uh, And I think it comes to the fact that you you maybe overvalue your own team's players compared to other teams, fringe players, Uh, specifically looking at Toronto. They lost two of their goalies on waivers uh, two weeks ago, and all of a sudden they're really thin at the depth chart. So what happens to other teams, it's not just a Winnipeg problem. Uh, Montreal, I think just recently uh, news breaking today, uh, waving Justin De La Rose got claimed as well. Uh, by another team. So there are multiple teams that are losing these types of players. And if the Winnipeg Jets really need one of these guys, uh, they could easily get a guy off waivers in in, in the same boat. So it kind of runs both ways for me. So I don't think it's a huge deal that Dano does get another shot with the avalanche. Right,
0: because I've never been a huge big fan of Dano. I know there's some Jets fans that are. They really feel he's better than some of the players in the Jets lineup. Guys like Tanev, guys like maybe even Andrew Kopp. I think they just play very different. I've never been a big fan of Dano, so that's why maybe I haven't defended him as much that the Jets made the wrong decision. I just I just think it's curious that this he's such a young player is now on his fourth NHL team already at such a young age, just kind of bouncing around. To me, like, there's got to be something so, there.
1: There's got to be something. And, and like I kind of always think about is, we talk about it sometimes too, is the coaching staff knows more about these players than we do. And the Winnipeg Jets have however many years of profile on Marco Dano. They have discarding reports from five years ago, four years ago. They've seen this guy for years. He's worked closely with Paul Maurice. He's worked closely with a number of these teammates. They know who this guy is. It's not a surprise. And a lot of people uh, on Twitter think, oh, well, they should play Dano. There is a reason why he's not and because we don't see as much as those guys do, I think they sometimes have a clearer picture that we won't ever get to see, and that's just the fact of the sport.
0: All right, so the last segment here today, we want to take a look at the fourth line for the Winnipeg Jets. So now that Patan has been reactivated, Dano's out of the picture. It's Patan, Lemieux, and Veseline kind of battling for that that third line, the... I don't know what you want to call it. The fourth line, well, I guess? We're calling
1: it the fourth line. So are calling is it the fourth it line.
0: The amount of minutes they get, it's the fourth line playing on the wing. What do you want to see done with that? Bring in a goon? Bring in uh, Peluso, maybe?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple options here. And uh, so the Winnipeg Jets have that fourth line of pro and Rozovic essentially locked in. They're looking for that last winger. Uh, it has been Veselina to start the year. Lemieux got a shot last game as well. Uh, I like Maurice's comments saying that that spot's kind of up for grabs. So a guy is not just going to take it and run with it for the next 80 games for the rest of the season if a guy plays well, but he's also going to get rewarded. If he does play well, he'll, he will get another look. But Maurice isn't looking to sit his press box guys for months at a time. He wants to kind of work uh, all of and Lemieux, and Patan all into
0: that spot uh, to kind of get a look. So And how they handle this off ice is going to definitely be a factor how they're working in practice, how they're training, how they're preparing is going to be a factor for staying in the lineup or getting back in. And that might be an
1: even bigger factor than how they play in the game. Because like we said, they do practice so much. If a guy is playing really good in practice, he does get a look. If he doesn't even have the best game, but he's working super hard at practice, maybe he does get another look. Uh, so there is that as well. Uh, the interesting thing is, do you leave that line intact, or do you start mixing and matching with the first line, the second line,
0: or even the third line, the TLC line? Well, so before we get into that, because I was going to wrap that up as kind of like the conclusion to the podcast today, uh, what did you think of and in his first? Because he played, what, five games, and there's been one for Lemieux? Six games so far for the Giants, five for in. I think he's been pretty invisible. Hasn't really stood out to me at all. Again, he's been had, had very little ice time. And then Lemieux came in, again, not really having a huge impact. I didn't get a chance to see it, but just from what I've heard, again, not a lot of ice time. Still waiting on Patan to get his crack at the lineup. But I'd imagine Lemieux is probably going to get a couple more.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. So I think Patan will probably work in during this homestand as well. Uh, Once again, going off of Maurice's comments, he thought it was good for Veselainen to play about a stretch of five games and then sit. He wanted to see Veselainen sit in the press box for a few games and watch the game from above, specifically after playing a few games. So he plays a few games, he kind of realizes what he thinks is going on, but then watching it from above gives you a different perspective uh, of specifically the North American game, a guy coming from Europe on a different ice surface, playing a different style of hockey, being immersed in that environment, and then watching it from above, I think will be really good for Vesalainen going forward.
0: And that's something we don't think about it. I, I would That that wouldn't have even crossed my mind, that coming from Europe, yeah, you'd want him to play a little bit first, so that he can feel the speed, feel the decisions... Before he looks before at it from the outside. Before he looks at it from the outside, yeah. Because just sitting in the press box right away... Then he's like, yeah, you can watch it. You can see it. But you don't actually know till you're on the ice. And so now I think that's a good balance there. And so I like this rotation. I like each one getting an opportunity. And so now the last question is, do they blow up the lines? The offense has stayed consistent. Shifley, Connor, Wheeler. The TLC line kind of has the second line with the amount of minutes they're getting. The third line or second line, depending how you want to call it, of Little, uh, Ehlers, and Line a. You really have your best, well, no. I was going to say your best nine guys in your top six, but I consider Rozovic and Pro better than the TLC guys, maybe individually, but collectively, they're a great unit. I don't want to break that up, but so what do you do now?
1: So I think you you have to leave the TLC line together because they play a specific brand of hard-nosed, in-your-face, forechecking, behind the net. They play along the boards. They're a defensive style, and they all fit well together.
0: Yes, they mesh. Their styles mesh. They are... I think together they are greater than the sum of their parts. Yes, 100%.
1: And that's the classic analogy that, that is used. And it's totally true for that line. So now what do you do with those other nine guys? How do you mix and match? Because the fact of the matter is line is scoring, but only on the power play. Right. That's all he has.
0: Because look who he's playing with.
1: Exactly. So now you have line A scoring, which you want, but it's only on the power play. No goals at five on five. You have Nikolai Ehlers, who now has about a 25 game goalless streak. So now what? What do you do with him to get him going? Uh, You have Kyle Connor scoring, but he's the only one. Wheeler hasn't really been playing that well. Yeah, he has a goal. Uh, Shifu's been scoring a little bit, but on the power play as well. It's been all these power play points, but nothing at 5-on-5. So I think
0: something needs to be done to just get something going. Does it need to be a dramatic shift? Because now all of a sudden, if it's something a little bit more dramatic... And the guy on the fourth line coming in like Patan or Lemieux, are they all of a sudden going to get a lot more minutes? Are their minutes going to go down? Because you are limited with the amount of minutes that you have. And so as soon as you blow up uh, Line A, Little and Ehlers, somebody's going to be getting less minutes out of the top six right now. If If you consider that a top six line and you blow this up and spread this out, one of Little, Ealers and Line is going to be getting less minutes or Kyle Conner is going to be getting less minutes. Somebody's got to be getting less minutes here out of this group or you just spread it out even more. I have no problem with spreading out the minutes a little bit more if you're going to do some kind of combination. I would like to see, I would like to see if they keep low scoring games like this, I would like to see some form of blowing it up and seeing what they can do separate.
1: Yeah, I totally agree because you have to get something going at five on five. You can't rely on your power play to win you games consistently every single night. You have to score a five on five if you want to win in the NHL. And against the Oilers, it was the uh, the TLC line that was scoring, but you need all these other lines scoring as well, not just Kyle Connor. You you need all three of these lines, specifically a fourth line as well. Um, just a quick rundown. I want to think you kind of want to do not specific lines, but I would like to see your three best goal scorers on different lines. Uh, so that would mean Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, and Nikolai Ehlers all on three different lines. I think from there you match with a playmaker. So you put Wheeler on one of those lines, you maybe put Patan on one of those lines and you put maybe Rozovic on one of those lines. So now you have all these pairings. So you put a goal scorer with a, um, with a playmaker and then you put a line driver, which I would say would be Shifley, Perreault and maybe Little, he might not fit into that category, but I think you kind of have those three sets, and then you just mix and match as you go, and that would be a very simple, this is what you do for the Winnipeg Jets.
0: Kind of like when it was a Little, Perot and Line A, and then you had uh, Ehlers playing with Roslevic, and see, then the, it's not bad if you put Patan, maybe with Ehlers and Roslevic, but again, uh, Ehlers needs to get going, so I don't even mind if you put uh, Ehlers on the top line with Scheifele and Wheeler, and then put Kyle Connor down with, Patan and Roslevic, and I think we've kind of talked about these kind of combinations before. I don't even mind if you split up a Shifley and Wheeler, just something different uh, to get things going and get things uh, changed up a little bit. Maybe put Wheeler and Little back together and then those two paired with a line A would be really good. Who knows? I, I think we need to experiment with those if we can. If we stay hovering right around this 500 hockey. And then, of course, with Dustin Buffett on the back end, we haven't even really gotten into the back end. Don't have time for that, though, on the show uh, today, uh, but maybe we'll delve into that more in the future. Did you want to mention anything on defense? Well, the defense has been a major concern for the Winnipeg Jets. It's been truly awful in, in the last
1: couple of games. games. Uh, Kulakov and Sherratt not playing well together, but we're going to take a deep dive into that next week. I want to see Kulikov with a, little, like a few more games under his belt. It's hard to come in, especially against Nashville playing your first game, uh, or sorry, against Carolina playing your first game. Tough games to get into. We'll dive into that next week, kind of about what you want to do on the defensive side of things.
0: Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.